everybody and welcome back to another episode of the pod cast your favorite podcast about new metal this is episode number 44 and this month we are going back to the well you can lead a man to water but you can't make him drink unless that man is david draymond and then he has a better way of making the water and the vessel with which you drink it from. And he's all too happy to tell you about it. Yes, we are covering Disturbed's second studio album, Believe. I'm John, and with me is a man who has once again, unfortunately, fallen for another mistress of burden to idolize, hoping that one of them will decide to let him in. It's Brian Quinby. Hey, 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 what's up? How you doing, John? I'm good. I'm good, Bri. You know, it's always a fun day on the show when we get to talk about our favorite guy, our favorite capital G guy in new metal, David Draymond. Always a good time. Um, you know, you have to listen to disturbed songs in order to talk about him. So that's less of a good time, I suppose. But uh, but yeah, man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm 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 OK. Um you know, we're recording this on the day that Trump got indicted, so I'm uh, looking in on whatever that. whatever that means. I don't know what it means either, but it's fun to say. It's just like, well, I think he's maybe gonna have to show up to court sometime. I think is what that means. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Like, what are the chances he goes people- to jail? I don't, there's no way he's going to jail, right? There, there is a point zero one chance that he goes to jail for even a minute. <laughs> Rich people don't go to jail here. You know what I mean? I've sort of noticed that. Yeah, that's kind of how you guys roll down there. Yeah, everybody. Everybody has a gun and no one has to go to jail if they're rich. It's funny. You made me feel kind of guilty about the capital when you said capital G guys, because one of the things on my new show, guys, um, is it's mostly groups of guys. Right. We're going to talk about a softball guy. We'll talk about bourbon guys, metal detector guys, you know, guys. The first show I did that was one specific guy. Dave Navarro, because he is quite a guy. You know, yeah. it could have been David Draymond. I think I've talked about David Draymond too much, so I picked Dave Navarro. Smart. And then I was going to do Draymond next. <laughs> Made a new decision. Jamie Kennedy is my next one. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy is definitely a guy. <laughs> I was watching wrestling last night, John, and uh, there was a guy in the front row wearing a Tosh.0 t-shirt. Holding a Tosh.0 sign in his hand, and it blew my fucking mind. So I went and looked it up. That show didn't get canceled till 2020, like COVID yeah. time. That guy was still Tosh.0. Well, people keep making YouTube videos. So who else, who better, who better than to dissect the foibles of online than Daniel Tosh? Yeah, I mean, he that is something funny that he does. Yeah. You know, it'll, it'll be like, it's, oh, look at that. I'll say this about Tosh was a very good standup. Like it's too bad. Like Tosh.0 kind of ruined him because he was a good, he was a good standup. Like if, if he, if Tosh, if Tosh.0 never came along, 
I think I think he's like one of the big stand-ups that we like talk about. I mean, he obviously is still, but I just mean like he would have gotten known off of his comedy, I think. He was very good. His early stand-up is very good. I remember hearing some. I actually don't think he's... I, I, I went to his site to be a dick about him and make fun of him and stuff like that, but he has like a clothing brand that the profits go to LGBTQ kids and shit like that. And it's like, yeah, I'm not going to be mean to Daniel Tosh, but he did pop in like seeing that guy made me think like well i'll bet you i could go on like reddit and type daniel tosh and there's a whole subreddit of guys that are like trying to get daniel tosh back on the air like yeah the, like the is tosh that what you th- like what do you think the point of this wrestling guy was was it to try to get tosh back like is that what we're talking about here or he's just that big of a fan He's like, I don't care that the show ended three years ago. I'm just, I'm in it. I'm the to- I'm the Tosh man. I, John, I'm telling you, I have been thinking about it since last night. Like, it's been one of those things in yeah. my brain that is just, it's one of those things you hear, you see or hear it, and it just keeps rolling around in your head. You're like, what is the end game to the Tosh guy? Was, again, right. you're right. Was he trying to get uh, Tosh.0 back on the air? Was he trying to get Tosh's attention? But for what reason? Tosh isn't on TV anymore. <laughs> so I was very confused by it, but it made me want to, it made me want to do his, uh, his, him as like his fans as one of the guys. But I, I still think the next guy has to be Jamie Kennedy. It just, he came up like four times in the episode about uh, Dave Navarro, not by the people on the show, by people in. Didn't. Yeah, didn't he didn't he have like it wasn't he in a thing dramatically recently? What was he in where he was kind of being like a dramatic guy? There was something he was in that I, that I, I'm thinking of here. Uh, I was well, hoping well, he would just okay. know it right away, but I'll look it up. But there was something where he yeah, he was kind of playing like uh, it was it was a dramatic he was in role. an abortion. He was in a pro-life movie. That was one of the other reasons I was going to uh. do it. Okay, well, I don't think that's what I was thinking of. He accidentally, um, not accidentally, but, you know, they paid him enough money and he was just like, fuck it, I'll do it. I don't care. Um, Jamie that's Kennedy. Okay, I'm looking. Well, yeah, yeah. He's in a movie called Roe v. Wade, that, which doesn't really seem like, I think doesn't really seem like the life. right kind of fit for him. But, uh, or maybe was it just an episode of a show or something? Yeah, I swear to God, I saw him in something where he was playing like a, like a straight face role. It, it he said, well, that's what this is. He, together with journalist Larry Later, uh, Jamie Kennedy, they fight to legalize abortion access across the country. Country fighting against the anti-abortion lobby headed by Doctor Milford. Oh, so it's a he's positive. Okay, no, he's not. Je- Stacy Dash is in this movie. I mean, Joey Lawrence. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What a move. John Voight's in it. This is a conservative movie. Oh, yeah. That's got to be. Yeah. Well, he was in a movie called John Road, Schneider? Road to Flynn Flon. That's. Oh, my God. Flynn Flon. Flynn Flon is a town in Manitoba. And this is not. I mean, you got to. Oh, Jesus Murphy, dude. How is this a real movie? This is. Uh, uh, this is Jamie Kennedy is not even the main guy in this movie. It came out in 2000 and it just stuck out to me. Yeah. Flin Flon is like a tiny town in, in Manitoba, uh, but they're famous for, they, they have a junior hockey team. there, the Flin Flon bombers. And one, one of the best NHL players ever grew up there and played for the bombers, Bobby Clark. But 
Uh, Joe Casco, a dejected L.A. musician, is just about to make a life change and move to Flin Flon, Canada to do social work with the Eskimos. However, a strange adventure on his last day leads him to reevaluate his life and goals. And Brian, I'm really going to need you to see the cover of this movie, and I'm going to drop it in the chat right now because this right is here. this is incredible. Um, I, wanna, I can't even. Oh my this, god! It tells you sexy comedy about sun, fun, and hallucinogenic <laughs> frog. This is fucking bad looking. I don't know what year that. Two thousand. Two thousand. Okay. It is really really bad holy smokes roe v wade movie john listen to this cast okay stacy dash sure conservative joey lawrence i don't know if he's a conservative but it also has uh tommy lauren john voight yeah robert davi corbin bernson john schneider from the dukes of hazard who is a psycho psycho Uh, yeah he's a man cow guy he's a big friends with him it's got steve gutenberg which that's sad a little bit milo yiannopoulos and mike lindell <laughs> that is insane those that group of people in a movie with jamie kennedy and uh, rotten tomatoes did give it 14 percent. so some of the critics did actually like it yeah um, the the only ones who liked it were like uh, the babylon b really <laughs> gave it five stars when it's <laughs> when i see a movie that's like 14 percent, because like a lot of my job now revolves also around like finding reviews of sure. stuff like because you can really find somebody's nature by reading reviews from those people it, it always feels like it's like so with guys one thing i do is try to find a forum where they're speaking freely you know what i mean because you right. really want to find a place that's like where everybody's talking using the the words that they use like today i i just recorded and it's not out yet i just recorded autograph guys and uh I they have like sayings like they call them the graphing community and uh they have like different types of autograph like TTM which is through the mail and there are guys that just sit at home all day and write letters to famous people asking for their autograph to get it mailed back to them and yeah. it was just oh, yeah. so nuts to me and I had talked about it on the show too that like autographs are this really strange thing cuz like when I was doing street fight uh, we would do live shows, and if you do a live show in like New York, like five hundred people show up. It's it's that's like one of the bigger cities, um, and people go to things there. And so, obviously, some people are going to be like, "Hey, can you can you sign this or or something like that?" Because they did come out to see you or whatever. And yeah. then, like other people on the street see you signing somebody's thing, and they're like, "Who are you? Can you sign this?" why (laughs) this isn't even worth anything to that person it's really not worth anything to you that's very odd it's like (laughs) i i have a i have a buddy who well i shouldn't say buddy but like a guy that i grew up with who is a, a big autograph guy and he uh yeah he spends a lot of his like time and money uh going to conventions going to all of this stuff and it's uh it's truly some wild stuff and and like he yeah and he does a ton of he does a ton of that stuff he does a ton of like um mailing guys out cards going to card conventions he has like a a leaf a maple leafs practice jersey that he tries to get like all these ex toronto maple leafs to sign and it's got like a hundred signatures on it or something and like 
yeah, he's he he's like he's dug he's dug right into it. It's a strange uh it's a strange thing. Yeah. I told this on that show, but I'll tell it on this show cuz it's like a lot more relevant to this show is that like um so, you know, we've talked about how I was into corn pretty early. So, yeah. I was seeing them at very small venues, like a thousand seat venues and and even less than that, really. And uh Newport Music Hall about a 2000 capacity venue but it's on ohio state campus so you know there's a green room but if you want to get out and take a walk which a lot of times that's what performer would like to do is yeah not sit in a green room. <laughs> like maybe go out and move yeah. around town or whatever and uh met jonathan davis didn't meet him i used to say i met him i don't think i even met him you know i was like hey can you sign this and the motherfucker grabbed my ticket stub and wrote hiv yeah. in the shape of a happy face yeah and I was like, why'd you do that? Why didn't you write your fucking name? Is all I could think. And then when I finally, you know, I met Fred Durst. And that motherfucker, he really, he signed Fred Biscuit, which I guess is fine. You know what I mean? Sure. That's, yeah. <laughs> why didn't he just sign Fred Durst? But then he also said he had a copy of White Pony on his truck before it came out. Yeah. And said, just wait outside and I'll play it out of the window and then didn't play it. It's like, that is the dickest move anybody's ever done to me. Impressive. (laughs) I I was really impressed. At the time, I was really mad about it because, you know, it was at this time where like White Pony isn't out yet, but you're hearing about it. You know, you're hearing like, oh, they're working on it. It's a little different from the other albums that this and that. And he says he has it and he's going to play it for us. And he doesn't. And at the time, I was so fucking mad. I was like, fuck him, man. And like me and my friends were just like fucking cursing this guy. And now that now that I'm older, I'm like, that's pretty funny what he did to us because we were just standing outside his van. It was kind of stupid for him because he couldn't leave the van without getting annoyed at that point. You know? Well, is, is there also a possibility that he didn't actually have it? Like he's just saying that he had it, but then maybe he did not actually have it. And so that was part of it. You know, they they're, they don't seem like friends. That's like, what I mean. It doesn't seem like he would get his hands on it. Not, like, not through Deftones, you know? Yeah. But I always, I think at the time, I just saw people as, like, at the time, I think I just saw people as, like, famous people all know each other and they can get anything they want. Well, it's believable. I mean, they're certainly all in the same circle of bands, really. You know, I mean, but yeah, yeah. It, it always felt like Deftones was maybe a little on the periphery of of that but that's a sick it's a sick flex to say that you have white pony before it comes out especially now that white pony is like the seminal new metal record or or close to it if it's not uh and then um and certainly the the seminal deftones record and then yeah to just say you have it pardon me is a flex but then also to not play it is like a double flex so yeah and it's that thing like that just the, a story just came out recently about the movie the flat the new flash movie flashpoint or whatever yeah and uh apparently like tom cruise was meeting with the president of warner brothers and said i want to watch that movie so they sent somebody over to tom cruise's house and they stood in the back of the room while he watched the movie and he said it was re- he gave an interview to the hollywood reporter and said it's really great and i wish more movies were like that <laughs> and it's like that's the kind of thing I imagine goes on all day when you're famous. Because the second somebody tell like, 
I'm not saying I'm famous. I'm saying that the second somebody tells me they can hook me up with something because they like what I do, it's the best feeling in the fucking world. It's just like, holy shit, I knew this was going to happen someday. If I could just get people to listen to me, people would give me free stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's all. As long as but I don't get that, a lot of then... free stuff. That, that don't, I, I don't have a, a P.O. box. I'm not giving out my address, but if you I, if you message me and tell me you're going to send me some Xanax, you can almost get my address like 100% of the time, actually. It's a little thing I do. Sorry, Xanax. I got distracted with one, one thing here. I don't think we... What have we even got for free? Blocked party-wise, we're just not big enough. We got I got a free ball trimmer. I got a Manscaped yeah. sent me a... Manscaped sent me a ball trimmer... Spindrift sent me some seltzers because I told them we couldn't get them in Canada. So Spindrift, Spindrift shipped me some seltzer. Uh, what mean, else? Well, we drugs. got a bunch of. No, I don't do drugs. No. Well, that's well, the kind of free stuff you get when you <laughs> when you're like me. Right. You just say, "Hey, someone bring me drugs," and then they bring you drugs. Yeah, if they have them. Some people. I mean, the funniest thing that people do to me when it comes to like drugs, like Xanax or something like that, or like weed like i remember when we were in and doing a live show in new york or something and a guy's like uh i got this pack of joint i got this pack of five joints i ended up smoking two on the way here but i wanted to give you guys the rest of them. <laughs> 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 like i think you were with me and in, in seattle when somebody gave me the fucking scariest looking clonopins of all time and everybody's like do not take those and I didn't. And it really bummed me out that I didn't take them because they were like, they looked like waterlogged. Oh, did I was I there for staring. that? Yeah, we got back to the Airbnb okay. and I was staring at it. And you were like, please don't take those. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like me, but I probably would have said it if they look normal, too. So, no, I would have taken them if they look normal. I mean, normal was good. 100% of the time, if they look normal, they're good. I actually you know what? For everybody that's listening and actually getting nervous. Every time I get drugs now, I ch- I, I use a fentanyl testing kit on oh, uh, that's the, good. the pills now because they're free and, you know, you get some pills. You don't know what motherfuckers are doing. When I bought those, one, I ended up getting a bunch of them when I got those Xanax at the uh, gathering of the Juggalos. <laughs> I didn't want to take them. I wouldn't. Knowing. Yeah, I don't think I would trust anything that came from the gathering of the Juggalos. I'd be scared to eat a burger at the gathering of the Juggalos. Never mind. You know what's sad? Just I drugs that are available. I didn't eat anything there either, John. I I took my water bottle and was just drinking water all day. It's like, man, if I was fucking twenty five, I'd have had root beer all day. I wouldn't have been fucking around with water. Just fucking. <laughs> That's what you took away from that. I'm taking away from the fact that you were at a festival in the hot sun all day and you didn't eat anything. Yeah, I was forty five minutes from my house and I don't eat all day anyway. You know, and I was leaving at like seven every night, which. <laughs> God. Two of the nights I left at 7 p.m. One of the nights was the night CM Punk was coming back to wrestling, so I wanted to come home and, and watch that. But the other nights, I was just kind of like standing there, and I was like, I don't think I want to be here anymore. I'm too old for festivals, man. And I was just talking oh, on... Me there's too. a festival that somebody sent me today that me and Chris Wade might go to. Um, oh, yeah, the classic rock one with like Poison and it's Guns N' Roses and Metallica. It's yeah, not poison. It's a, it's a fucking nutty like, tool, thing, but, right? Yeah, I got it here. I got the uh, I got the lineup here. It's fucking crazy. Uh, some of metal and hard rock's most celebrated artists will decimate Coachella this fall 
for the inaugural Power Trip Festival. They got Guns N' Roses, Iron Maiden, ACDC, Ozzy Osbourne, Metallica, and Tool. That is a fucking lineup, dude. That's crazy, yeah. And the people, like I said, I, I just I did the episode of my new podcast about classic rock guys, and uh, those people are such freaks that I, I now feel like I want to go be surrounded by them. I got to be with my people, the classic rock guys. I'm no, they're not my. I I I think I like classic rock less than anybody in the world. There's I, there's about one or two bands. Actually, there's like one. The Rolling Stones are the only band. And Black Sabbath. I'll, I'll get Black Sabbath some, but I, I, of those large bands, you know, it's like I like Black Sabbath, and I like um. You seem like. like- you seem like you would like Guns N' Roses. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but only that, only, only uh, Appetite for Destruction and Lies. And sure. I've seen Gun- I ended up actually seeing Guns N' Roses. With, I've seen with them their too. Original lineup at Austin City Limits. Yeah, I year. saw them with my with my dad. And Boy, it they, was... they had Axl Rose had trouble singing there. That was something. oh, he was pretty good when I saw them. Actually, I, I was surprised. Leave the stage actually. for eight minutes at a time. No. Oh, he didn't because there was one time where he was like. Uh, Hey man, Duff's gonna sing a song for you, and he just like walked off stage and Duff sang a song. <laughs> no, that did not happen when I saw them. When he I saw them, woman... I was surprised. Actually, his voice was in pretty good shape, and they, yeah, they sounded good. They were. Uh, I mean, it's just like it's it's wild to it's wild to see a band because I think most of the bands I've ever seen, and there's some exceptions, like I've seen Taylor Swift and I've seen U2 and stuff, but like most of the time, most of my life, I've been going to see bands that aren't really like bands with hits, you know, like, you know, you'll go see bands that are big, like, you know, I've seen huge indie bands, Radiohead and Modest Mouse and The National and what, you know, I've been to big shows, Bonnie Vare, but they're not, there's just something different about seeing bands like that. Like when you see a band with like honest to God fucking hits, it's a different experience, man. It is like, you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm here and welcome to the jungle right now. Like, how is this possible? Like it just, it it almost seems uh, unreal. Like it feels, seems fake or something. You're like, this is, how is this happening? I'm hearing paradise city in a stadium with a, 50,000 people. What is this? Dude, I fucking lost my mind when they played Rocket Queen. It was insane cuz that's like I mean, that is that's a big deal song for me. I I fucking love that song. I love the end of it. And uh yeah, I I really like that. I'm not an Iron Maiden guy. I have seen Iron Maiden. I'm not an Iron Maiden guy. Yeah. ACDC now, this is odd. They're I fine. A, I'd I'd watch ACDC. I'm not going to pay, but I'd watch it. But you want to know a weird thing? My daughter likes ACDC. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. That's weird. That, that is, is weird. out there. And then Ozzy, I have seen a few times, but surprisingly, uh, I walked out to the parking lot during Metallica at Woodstock 99, and that was the only chance I had to see them. Oh, I've seen Metallica twice. They were great. Yeah. And I'm not I a mean, big I- Metallica guy, to be honest. I'm not. I, I, I'm not like a ride or die fan but i saw summer sanitarium and then i saw them play a stadium with Godsmack. actually i found and, summer uh, it was it was good i found that summer sanitarium lineup to be kind of stupid now i had a t-shirt of it that i bought uh off a of grailed but i think at the time that came out there was such a big push and pull with 
new metal guys and regular metal guys. We, you, you know, Pantera's Pantera was like the band that kind of bridged that gap, and like they had they they were pretty well done, like with making hits and and you know so people like kind of took sides and I ended up taking the Pantera side and never listening to Metallica until like three or four years ago. I right at the beginning of the pandemic. I started like getting more into their stuff and listening to like Master of Puppets and shit like that. And I was like, man, this is really good. But back when Summer Sanitarium was on tour, I didn't go to that because Metallica was there. I, I didn't want to be around the Metallica fans. Yeah. I thought I was still an underground music fan, which if they're in a fucking stadium, you're no longer <laughs> an underground. You know, like it was a thing where like there was that period of time where I was an underground music fan. You know, I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, and you don't want to give that up. But once you've had that, once you've had that taste, weirdly enough, you never want to give it up. Once you have that feeling of I discovered this thing on my own and it's mine and a few other people and that's it. And, you know, it's kind of like when I go out now and, and I'm talking to somebody and they talk about like they say, I like AEW and I'm like, what? You know, you just want to sit and talk to them forever. You just don't <laughs> run into people. And then, like, so you're like, there's that period of time where, where like, nobody's into them. And then you start to meet more people that are into them. And then it hits a tipping point where you're like, oh, fuck. Now yeah. everybody's into them. This is not cool. Because it's so funny to tell young people now that there was a period of time where corn was fucking cool. You just weren't around for it. Oh, they were so cool. They were like <laughs> one of the coolest bands. They got retired on TRL for God's sake. I mean, they were cool as shit. Yeah. But, but that was don't... like rock star era, right? Like there's no rock stars anymore. So if you tried to tell a, a like, you know, a 20 year old that corn was cool, it wouldn't make sense because there's, there's not even like a parallel, like at least with my, like with my dad, I could say corn is cool. And he could be like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I hate this music, but I'd be like, well, they're kind of like the new guns and roses or they're the new, whatever, like they're a pair. They're the new Aerosmith. I mean, obviously they're, they don't sound like those bands, but there was some sort of parallel that my dad could kind of tie them to. And they're just that doesn't exist anymore. There is no rock star anymore. True. And and I I I like uh uh the because I had been talking about because I did that that classic rock guys episode and a lot of it was around the rock and roll hall of fame and somebody I don't remember somebody was talking about somebody that's not in there yet and I'm like they can't put everybody in because they are gonna have to put people in in twenty years. So yeah, like, totally. Like, if there's people that are left out, they're definitely going to get in. You know, yeah. the, 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 the people that are back, because I, I forget which bands. I'd have to find it. They, they're on the episode of, of Classic Rock Guys. That, but there are bands that people bring up every time. I think Bad Company was one of them and a couple other sure, ones. It's like, sure. those bands are going to get in. Yeah. Uh, but really, the only two rock stars we've had over the past 20 fucking years are the strokes and the white stripes so and i wouldn't even call them rock stars like they're like kind of but like not in the way that not in the way that guns and roses were rock star like you could make the case that like lincoln park are kind of like the last rock stars like there's there kind of hasn't been any since then um yeah i mean but people say corn are really the last huge, but I think that's the last huge metal band. I think the last real, I, I do think Jack White's a rock star, like on a level of 
Yeah, like, I guess. On I just a think really like, high level. Jack I mean, White can't song, sell a stadium, though. He can sell an arena, could. but he can't sell a stadium. I think he could. And, and I'll tell you why. I don't think uh, so. Maybe think in Detroit. About, well, anywhere. I think he, if he did one, one thing, you know what I mean? If he was like, I'm doing an arena a stadium tour, I think he might be able to pull it off. It might need to have to be a package tour. Yes. Not 10 bands. Have I'm saying three big, bands. Yes. If, if the strokes and the white stripes were like, we're going to do a stadium tour, I, I really think that they would yeah, they sell maybe a decent amount of tickets. And I think they're just the last two. Uh, and even them, it's like, I think people underestimate how, how popular they were because their, their moment was during like Napster and shit, like the very beginning of piracy. That was like their moment. There is a movie and a book called, uh, meet me in the bathroom. Yeah. Great, great book. Yeah. And the movie is really good too. I haven't seen the movie, but it's not, it's pretty good. It's not bad. I mean. I got to watch it still. I loved the book though. And I didn't even like all those bands. Like probably the band that's talked about the most in there. Like the band I liked the most of the ones talked about in there is the yeah, 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 probably. And I liked Interpol too, but I didn't like the Walkman. I didn't like LCD sound system. I didn't really like the strokes. Like a lot oh, of those God, bands. The strokes, the strokes in my house. It's insane. Like Gwen is writing her college, uh, her scholarship, like essays and shit like that for college. And one of them is about the song, the modern age by the strokes. Cause it was so important that it was something about how connecting with your mom and dad or whatever Aww. or something. So she wrote about like the strokes because that's when nice. she grew up. That's something we listened to a lot. And uh, yeah, it's cool. I, I, and it's like her favorite, like her favorite band is probably the stroke like you got amy winehouse the strokes and so she's into like yeah but your daughter is cool yeah jeff buckley <laughs> she's like hey have you ever heard of jeff buckley and i'm like oh i've heard of him <laughs> uh, you listen to him no and i won't i will not be listening to jeff buckley grace is a good album okay well we're all cool now my daughter yeah cool, we're all cool, cool brian <laughs> you know who's really cool david draymond no, let's talk not. about <laughs> Well, we'll get into that. Let's talk about the album at hand. We are reviewing Disturbed's second studio album, Believe. It came out on September 17th, 2002 on Reprise Records. It was produced by Johnny K. And it came out September. I already said that September 17th, 2002. It was recorded uh, between March and April of 2002. Uh, It followed, obviously, their huge album, The Sickness, which went five times platinum. This one did not perform as well, but it debuted at number one on the U.S. Billboard 200. Pretty impressive. Uh, It has now been certified double platinum by the RIAA. I uh, got certified double platinum in 2008. It went platinum immediately uh, on, on the strength of its peaking at number one on the Billboard 200. It also peaked at number one in New Zealand, number three, or sorry, number two in Canada, number three on the UK rock and metal albums chart. And it also charted in Australia, Austria, Denmark, Finland, Germany, Ireland, Scotland, Sweden, Switzerland. So a huge global album. It ended the year 2002 at number 102 on the US Billboard 200, and it ended the year 2003 at number 115 on uh, the US Billboard 200. So it had quite 
a longevity. It's gone platinum in Australia and Canada. It's gone gold in New Zealand and the United Kingdom. It sold over 3 million copies worldwide. The lead single, Prayer, uh, peaked at, uh, it actually made the Billboard Hot 100. Very rare for a new metal song. Peaked at number 58 on the Billboard Hot 100 uh, and number three on the U.S. Alternative Airplay and the U.S. Mainstream Rock Tracks chart. Peaked at number 31 in the U.K. and number 14 in Canada, uh, as well as number four on the U.K. Rock and Metal charts. And it actually ended the year number 70 in Canada period in 2002 uh, as far as a charting song uh, the other two singles remember and liberate both uh, peaked highly on the mainstream rock tracks chart remember what made it to number six liberate to number four uh, but neither of those saw the hot 100 but certainly one of the larger albums uh, that we've ever covered on the show that is not from that sort of peak corn limp biscuit period uh, where they were going 10 times platinum and everything like that uh, the album was said to be a, uh, a more concerted effort to uh, be heavy and a little bit more melodic as well. David Draymond also wished to demonstrate a greater vocal dimension than the intense style he was previously associated with. Nevertheless, he described the content of the album as pure and unadulterated in every sense of the word metal. Uh, the album is both duly inspired by 9-11 and the death of David Draymond's grandfather and the album cover, which features a pentagram, a star of David, an Islamic moon and a Christian cross was meant to represent that the world should be united under uh, one sort of spiritual belief or not that they should all be one, but that they should, you know, everybody should work together and, and be in harmony or whatever the hell. Uh, okay, Brian, we already know after covering the sickness, you were not a disturbed guy to start. I'm curious if you can recall at all in 2002, when this second record came out, was disturbed even on your radar then where you, was this even something you were aware of? They were following up the sickness or were you just com this completely happened off the grid for you? Oh, I, I, I mean, obviously it kind of, when you told me about it, you told me what song was on it. I was like, Oh, I don't even think I know any of the singles off of it. Now, when I listened to it, I finally did know a single about it, but you know what I feel about, about this album that I, it's like my favorite thing. A little something for your ear hole. Get up. That's a little something for your ear hole. We <laughs> like that. Get we up. That. It's a nice little album. It's a little something for your ear hole. <laughs> Get up. I should have got so many more dropping plates, like clips, you know? This fucking, this soundboard's wearing out, baby. But yeah, um, I don't remember this coming out. I wouldn't even been listening to the radio in 2002. I actually, it's funny. Um, when, when did you say this came out in 2002? What uh, month? It came out in September. So it's it almost a, exactly a year after nine 11 came out on September 17th, 2002. Okay. So here's, here's where I'm at at that time in my life. I am, I got my job at the cable company earlier in 2002 and i can't remember like what month it was but i do know that like uh i was in training still probably when this came out because i was in training when i ran over that guy's corvette um 
backing out i was like backing up i was like in this as in this white like this redneck apartment complex and uh it was like one of my first days out in the field by myself i was just doing disconnects which is easy it's just nothing and most of them aren't non-pay most of them are you know i'm moving can you disconnect my cable so uh i get out there and i get in my truck i finish the disconnect i jump in the truck i'm getting ready to take off i back up and i'm like man this thing's thing's driving weird as hell this is so weird. I mean, maybe I have to call. And then I got out of the car and I was driving on a Corvette, like up the <laughs> fucking guy. You like, came ra- out. you like ramped up it? Yeah, yeah. Cause I kept backing up. I hit what? it. What? And I didn't know what so was you didn't going realize, on. So you didn't realize that you had yeah. hit it. Yeah. And so oh the guy comes God. fucking running out of his house with a beer in his hand, like him and another guy. And I'm like in a car with the, and, and I, the reason I remember this is because this happened on September 11th, 2002. And even then I was like making jokes about like, this is the worst September 11th in my entire <laughs> life. Now, what happened? Did you like, you, you obviously had the cable company would have paid for it. Yeah, they paid the insurance. And it's funny because the guy comes out with a beer and I'm like, my supervisor's coming because I had to call him and uh, I'm wearing the wrong shoes because for some reason I'm a fucking idiot. And uh, I needed to wear, I didn't want to wear boots. I just, for some reason, so I would come into work in my boots. And then when I left the office, I would take the boots off, put them in the trunk and put my shoes on. Right. And, um, which is weird. I like boots. Now I'm a, I'm a boot guy. You're a boot guy. guy. Yeah, I think of you as a boot guy. I was then too. I ended up being one after a while. I think it's because I had crummy boots because I was broke. Sure. Because I had just gotten the job. You know what I mean? And uh, the guy comes out, and they're standing by the window, and I have the window, <laughs> I have the door locked, and the window rolled up, or maybe cracked, and I'm smoking a cigarette, and I'm putting my boots, my shoot, my boots back on, and one of the guys was like, "That's all original parts," which no, that no fucking possible way. It was covered. I didn't see it. He didn't even want to pull the 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 cover off of it. Like, right. even when the boss came, he was like, can I see it? He didn't want to pull the cover off of it. And he was like, that's going to cost you a lot of money. And then the other guy is just like, I'd kick his ass if I was you. And I was just, like, sitting in the uh, van hoping they didn't kick my ass. But my <laughs> boss got there pretty quick. And uh, I guess I assume they paid for it in the end. And he probably did get it. He probably, I'll bet you, he got some of that original parts money. There's just no fucking way. He he was that guy was insistent that it was like the original Corvette. It's like, bitch, I don't Come know on. you. Let's I'm be serious. You. Why are you living in this fucking apartment if you have a fucking Corvette, dude? Yeah. Fucking sell the Corvette and move into a better neighborhood. Yeah, no doubt. So what but was yeah. the point of you telling this story? Was there because was it happened in September? Oh, I see. Okay, and and okay. so I wouldn't. Have I thought been... you were going to be like, and uh, prayer was playing in the background when well, no, I ran I over the guy's Corvette. The ability, I wouldn't have had the ability to listen to the radio or anything like that because I was I driving around in other guys' trucks. I had just been in a call center job for a year, which you don't get a lot of time to listen to like rock radio when you're sure. in a call center. And then the cable company, the first, I don't know, three months I was in other guys' vans listening to whatever the fuck they wanted to listen to. And it's usually some bullshit, some like <laughs> Rush Limbaugh or country music, like bad kind of country music, which I actually probably kind of would have liked if I was a little more open-minded at the time. Um, But uh, yeah, so I didn't have the opportunity to listen to rock radio. And I think that's when my taste started to move more into the like indie 
and and again, you know, I always say the Strokes, but that was like one of the first band, uh, Radiohead, like stuff like that. Like I was moving in that direction because I wasn't listening to the radio. And any time that I would have been listening to the radio, I probably would have been listening to like Howard Stern or Opie and Anthony or something like that. So right. I just this album, fuck, dude, I didn't even when you. When you said we're doing Disturbed Belief, the album could have come out anywhere between 1998 and 2022. Like, I had no idea. It's got the worst cover in the world. Too. The cover is absolutely insane, yeah. They're all bad. <laughs> I, I one day want to go through and look at all. They, they don't have any good covers. And and Korn's got some pretty ugly covers, you know? But this cover for this album just... <laughs> Shit. it's really it's really rough i should find the exact quote about it because there is uh i can't remember if it's in one of the articles but there is like an exact quote about why the the album look like why the album cover looks like that and it's so you, funny you know oh i remember we looked at it on mol it's got a bunch of different uh religious things in it. no i know it's that like, i said i said that already but i just oh, mean okay. like I think in one of these interviews, like David talks about, like he actually talks about him putting it like that. Let me see. It must be on, maybe it's in this, M, this absolutely insane MTV interview. Yeah. I'm looking uh, at their album covers now. And, and this is something I picked up today, really reading the articles and stuff is, uh, the, <laughs> the cynicism of being a band that has a mascot like a heavy battle band that has a mascot the guy is, but it's that's so insane right like it, it is just a thing that's like look we're gonna be able to sell merch if we have a guy you know like, they got eddie from iron maiden you got you got all your and and like if you're if you came out after like 1988 and you have like a system uh, uh, I, a a mascot then you are like just looking to monetize the maximum amount you know it's like real kiss type stuff well i just feel like i i i mean i'm very familiar with disturbed and i feel like uh i feel like i never even would have known that like if you were like oh, what yeah. is disturbed's logo i would have been like i don't know like i the word disturbed in like a metal <laughs> font. Uh, oh, here it is. This is the, uh, the, it's just on the Wikipedia in keeping with the lyrical themes. The album cover features symbols of major religions, including the Jewish star of David, the Islamic crescent, the Wiccan pentacle and the Christian cross. Draymond explained the meaning of the symbol on stage during the music as a weapon to tour. The symbol that you see elevated above the set behind me is a symbol of universal belief. Oh, neat. So he's a guy that's like, he's a guy like, yeah, I mean, I believe in my thing. You believe in your thing. And, and we're all just believing in stuff. It's so, yeah, cool. we all believe in our own stuff, dude. But the, 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 it's funny that you said that you wouldn't have even known about the guy. It's really weird because like today was kind of the, we may have talked about it before during, uh, uh, when we reviewed one of the other albums. I'm looking at their album covers and <laughs> I don't know, man. Look at um Asylum, I think is one. Oh no, wait, wait. Look up Immortalized, everybody. Yeah. Disturbed uh, Immortalized. Okay. Looking so, it up. It's so stupid. Oh God. It literally <laughs> looks like it actually looks like 
clip art almost like it's almost <laughs> doesn't look real. Like it looks like if you did sort of like a spinal tap version of a new metal band, that's what the album cover would look like. Yeah. If I was making like basically disturbed as is like, that's a perfect point. Like if me and you were like, we're going to make the new metal spinal tap, like 90% of it would be based around disturbed. Any other totally. 10% would be corn. Cause yeah. the rest, uh, the rest of them, like limb biscuits, almost too. You'd think of them as almost too nice to make fun of. You know? too goofy you'd maybe do like uh you'd probably have the guitarist of your of your band would be like wes like would be painted and stuff and would never say anything yeah that would be sort of the gimmick you'd do is like oh yeah we got a guy over there he paints his face but he doesn't talk and he's like a wacko you know what i'm curious about john yes i'm googling this disturb the guy cartoon Oh, did they ever make a cartoon? I'll just or, say while you're looking that up, I forgot to mention when I was doing the album rundown, this album was also named the number 38 best new metal album of all time by our friends at Metal Hammer. And this is what they said. Disturbed were shifting towards more melodic territory with their second album while not losing sight of the sound that made the sickness a multi-platinum success. But despite the increased emotional depth of the lyrics and David Draymond's voice taking on a much more anthemic bent, Believe couldn't quite escape the shadow of its predecessor. Ooh, ah, 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 indeed. They fucked up there too, man, because like, I think the early part of this album is kind of like uh it's really good and it, it felt like they were to me felt like they were leaning into like we're a metal band and we're just gonna fucking have sick riffs and uh and all that and like you know the it's very simple there's not gonna there's gonna be a breakdown in each song but you know everything's gonna be a little simple and they just don't get out of their own way for the uh uh for the last half of the album where they're like yeah this song's this song's Look at this little weird song. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like it's it it's such a precipitous drop off when you're I I I sent this to John. I posted on Twitter too, but I yeah, sent this very good. I said I was I was asleep when you you know you and I are obviously three hours apart. So I was asleep when you sent both of these messages. So I got them both at the same time, which was very <laughs> funny. I said, "Am I crazy? Does this album actually rule?" And then. Uh, one hour and one minute later, I text, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I woke That's up and fucking... I, I'm like in a haze kind of, and I see you being like, does this album actually rule? And I, and so, and I was like, what? No, I don't think so. And then I saw you say, never mind. Like, okay. That yeah, makes sense. The first like three or four songs are just like straight ahead fucking metal songs that like, they're like straight ahead metal songs. They're really cool. Um, he's not trying to do the singing thing. Like at some point in this album, he decides he can sing and that's where it starts to get bad. <laughs> You're right. Like it even says on, on the Wikipedia, you know, based on some of the articles that he was talking about how he really wanted this to be sort of a showcase for his, for his vocal abilities kind of, um, you know, and it's just sort of like, Oh man, I, you know, I don't, uh, I don't think so. Like, I think, I think people liked the, the, why am I, oh, little something for your ear. Like people, that's what people liked about you, dude. They didn't like the sort of borderline chant sort of vocals that you do. Like that acoustic song at the end of the record oh is insane. God. It doesn't even sound like him. 
It sounds like his voice is just auto-tuned to the max, and it barely even sounds like him. It it almost sounds like chanting or something. Like it's kind of like it's like really... it's it's wild, man. And he he talks about that in one of the articles we'll get to later. But he did he did a sort of retrospective article in 2018 with metal hammer. And apparently he did an interview with metal hammer in 2002. I can't find it on the internet. It's only in print, but, uh, he said that when he was describing the acoustic song darkness, he threatened to quote, kill anyone who terms it a ballad, uh, which is just like, that's clearly number one, what they were going for. And then number two, if you don't want people to call it a ballad, then don't make it a <laughs> then don't sing like like it just drives me insane i i sent you something in the chat john oh do we check out it's, it's from an action figure one.com i know i love it i love that their website is still disturbed one.com yeah still getting it but this is it, they did a comic series about the guy called dark messiah Oh no! It came with an action figure of the guy. Oh no! Dude. I'm gonna buy this. I think. I I think I need to read this. It's. it's I think probably... you do too. Yeah. I love. I, I love this because uh, it's got. Yeah, it's got just sort of the press release copy above and a note from Disturbed. So I love the idea that. They have, they're like, oh, our press person will just put in the pressy sounding stuff. But then also I got to have a little David Draymond's. It's definitely him. He's like, I got to have a little human touch here. This is the note from disturbed ever since the guy made his debut 20 years ago. His evolution and transformation has only grown. Keep in mind, the guy is a smiley face, or at least that's how the guy started. It's just a smiley face. We are excited to take the guy to the next level and bring his story to the forefront via both the comic book series and action figures. We can't wait to share this next chapter with all of you. I am buying it right now. It's 16 bucks. I'm not. This buying is the, the uh, uh, this is the the description of the comic disturbed. Dark Messiah takes place in the not so distant future as firefighter Griffin DeSanto finds himself a man out of time, stumbling into a harsh world of poverty, automation and subjugation technology rules and a tech empire built on suffering keeps the population in check through surveillance and mechanized policing though lost. Griffin is never alone. He was brought here for a reason and the vengeful one in his guide. This will be is his guide. This will be the first dive into the guy's powers, history and lore as we see him as the vengeful one. I have it coming in the mail. <laughs> I bought it. It's coming up. Oh, man. Yeah. Yep, yep. My order is confirmed. Disturbed Dark Dude. Messiah. Number one. Second print variant edition comic. That is unbelievable. My wife I can't wait. So mad when it comes in the mail. I can't <laughs> wait for you to read that because that's. I love when be... things come in the mail. That I was like when the when the singlet came in the mail. She's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And then now this is going to come in the mail, and she's going to be like, "Did you tell me that we didn't have any money?" And then buy a disturbed comic. <laughs> it's for research, hun. Oh God! Well, I can't write it off. That is exactly just write it but off, baby. She just thinks like you know, you know how. I mean, Becca's probably roughly the same way, where it's just like, wait, 
like when you got all the Funko Pops. Oh, fuck she was so mad. Yeah. She was so mad. When it was all over, we had like 45. So yeah. like they and they're not small. Like the boxes no. when you have 45 of them, that's a lot of space that it takes up when you live in an apartment and you just have 45 Funko Pops. Like it was oh yeah, it was it was brutal. Um, I mean, everything I order as a joke is uh, I ordered a travel bidet yesterday. That's not a joke. That's important. But you're going to love that. A, it looks hard to use. I, it's actually, not John, hard. I'm a little worried that it's the travel hard. bidet is hard to use. It's not. But I am going to be on a plane for seven hours soon. So I think my plan is going to be to, for the first 15 minutes, read the disturbed comic book. <laughs> and that'll kill 15 minutes. Dude, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear about you it. You know um, it's stupid as hell. I mean, well, it sounds like it's obvious. It sounds like a 1984 ripoff with some like sort of okay, I like that. Uh, f- um, sort of um, android lore kind of put on top of it. Yeah, I'm reading the versus battles wiki of uh, <laughs> the guy oh, versus the Eddie. Guy. Yeah. Oh, is there a guy versus Eddie? Hold on. <laughs> I'm That's joking. a good point. The guy. <laughs> Who would win, John? Oh, well, the guy, which one? When the guy is just the smiley face or now that he's this giant automaton called the vengeful one? Oh, here we go. Here we go. The guy versus Eddie the Head, Disturbed versus Iron Maiden, iconic mascots of famous heavy metal bands. A little bit of art and people are like, oh, that's badass. But here, pro sailboat. Eddie wins because he's the embodiment of free will itself. The guy would need to erase him from existence, which he can't because he hasn't been implied to have the power to erase a concept. Well, if we if we doesn't have that power, then true. Gaming then Weeb fucked. says Gaming Weeb is saying rooting for the guy, betting the guy score idea, the disturbing maiden. So he's he's trying to get him mixed up here. Uh, Commando 26 says, hell yeah, MFers. So that's cool. Uh, Kaiser Wolfman says the uh, the guy wins because he's indestructible. Oh my sure. god! You know what my bank is calling me right now? <laughs> Wait a uh, minute! Uh, excuse me, sir. Are you sure you wanted to purchase the disturbed comic book, the dark one, or whatever the fuck it's called? <laughs> I looked down and saw my my phone was ringing. I was like, "Who the fuck is calling me?" And I thought it was a scam call. Is is my bank? Oh my god! But uh, visible thing said, I'm rooting for Eddie because I like Iron Maiden more. Also, isn't the dir- disturbed guy called the vengeful one? So Soviet spark. Well, he is now. Yeah, he's called the vengeful so, one now. Sorry, I yawned right there. I'm that's guessing why my voice Eddie got takes it. Loud. So most people think Eddie could beat uh, the guy. So that's okay. Oh, there's like actual cartoons people made of. Oh, this is insane. And probably this... of them having sex with each other as well. If you look on a certain oh, they website. teamed up. Oh, I hope they do. Oh, they <laughs> teamed up. I'm going to send you this, John. Oh, my everybody. God. They teamed up and it's cute. That's, that's nice. nice. Let me see here. Oh, I'm getting it. Okay. There you there go. We go. Okay. Let's take a look here. Oh, this yeah. Wow. The reason hardy. Disturbing sciences. Uh, Iron Maiden's iconic mascot Eddie is set to team up with Disturbed's mascot the guy as part of an epic new event in the Iron Maiden video game Legacy of the Beast. Nice. 
Eddie and the guy will team up for a special event called Disturbing Sciences, inspired by Iron Maiden's 1986 album Somewhere in Time and Disturbed's five-part comic book series Disturbed Dark Messiah. (sighs) That I just, Draymond always has a great way of saying things. I know. Disturbed vocalist David Draymond, a noted Iron Maiden superfan, was humbled by the chance to have the guy feature in the game. Quote, myself and the guys from Disturbed are humbled to be included in the legacy of the Beast game. We feel that the guy is a worthy addition to the saga, and we're very happy to be a part of it. When we first saw the concept pieces of how he would be integrated into the game, it was thrilling for all of us. It's still kind of surreal. And then he says some more stuff, and then a great... Last quote here. I love more people having the opportunity to play as the guy and battle the forces out there that deserve to have their asses handed to them. Uh, <laughs> which if you're following along with David Draymond, that is um, Palestine. Those are the, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, who, that's who he's talking about. Mostly yeah, <laughs> it's, it's Palestinians. I, I have, I do have my Twitch now. I might have to play Iron Maiden Legacy of the Beast as my first game. That's as so insane. I had no idea they had a fucking game. The I'm Legacy at, of like the Beast. open world. Travel through time and space from the coast of gold across the seven seas. Explore the furth- furthest reaches of the Maiden universe. Holy hell. That's wild. <laughs> it looks crazy. Oh, I love fucking heavy Wait, metal bands. You mean to tell me the Iron Maiden video game is crazy? I don't believe that. Yeah, here I'll send you. I'm, I'm gonna send you to there too. Oh but, my uh, god! I just That's I sent it so to you just funny. so you could be on the page. Do people do it. people like it? Do we think? I, I can't. No, I it's it can't be good. There's no all. way it's good. Okay, let's see. Legacy of the Beast Metacritic. Oof. Uh, it's got it looks, 64, 64% on Metacritic, that's pretty good. so that's not as bad as I thought. It came out in 2016, so... I'm looking at um, it, and, you know... The best review good. of it says, uh, from GameZebo, Ultimately, there's enough here to remind you to come back for more, with its fan service being a particular, a particular delight, especially when it comes to offering previously unreleased tracks. However, even non-fans who enjoy a solid RPG should be able to rock out to what Iron Maiden Legacy of the Beast has to offer. Um, and then the worst review of it uh, is from Pocket Tactics. They gave it 40%. Oddly charming, perhaps nostalgic, but pretty shallow and filled with free-to-play shenanigans. So it's well, obviously good. one of those like... Oh, you want this new unreleased Iron Maiden song? Okay, you got to pay X amount of dollars and go on this mission or some shit. But sixty-four yeah. I mean, percent. The fact, not bad. the fact that they're like really like the the guy. Like once you start to make the the mascot like a real person, it's so weird. Especially right? like, like a sci-fi person. That's like yeah. weird, you know, like or Pony not sci-fi, Cambria. but like an RPG guy. You know, oh, he's in. He's a dystopian. It's like, fuck off, man. You wrote the Uwa song. Don't tell me about. And the logo started as a smiley face. Don't tell me he's some kind of. It just. Ugh, it's it's really very annoying. strange. Like. Like. I liked Coheed and Cambria quite a bit. And their first five or six albums or whatever. Okay. And then they were like, hey, we're finally going to release. This happened to me twice. I also happened with Mars Volta. It wasn't a comic, but it was like an insert on a record. Right. They they mailed the 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 record Delouse in the Comatorium, and it didn't have like the insert in it. And they were like, "We'll get it to you when we get it done," and it's going to tell the whole story of what this album is. 
And, and you're just like, I don't, wa- I don't want that. Just give me regular, <laughs> give me regular liner notes that are done on time. I don't want to wait for us. I don't need to wait for a story, dude. So, so one night I finally get it in the mail, John, and it's decently thick. Katie's out doing something with women or something like that. I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> oh, good for her. <laughs> so, uh, I popped like three Percocet and I put the album on the, uh, record player and I read the first page and I said, fuck this shit and threw it down <laughs> because it was like in an impenetrable language. Of course. Oh, well, yeah. Especially Mars Volta. And, yeah. and I love the that drive album. in. And, oh, yeah. I love D Loust is an amazing album, but yeah, it's, it's you know, great. no one's ever like, uh, God, Cedric's lyrics are so coherent. Yeah. So but people even- are never really saying that. They were like, well, and and like when I, I started looking for interviews and stuff like that, and they were saying shit like uh, it's written in a sort of Latin. It's kind of our own language. <laughs> and I'm like, of well, course well, who it the is. fuck wants it then? Of you course know? it is. Well, yeah, Same. but I mean, Brian, you always remember those bayonet trials you went through and how you casted all those propellers away. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then I'm going <laughs> to listen to that album later. Um, Great album. And then, Maybe but, I will, too. Coheed and Cambria did. Is sort it of new the metal? Can thing. we review Deloused on this show or what? Oh God, wouldn't it be great? No, but it <laughs> no, would be I so know. fun to record. Stand in a row. <laughs> There's not a bad song on there. That Hard as an arrow. <laughs> I would you love know to review that good. album. You know that's a good album when they have 13 minute songs and I like them. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, my Sick, favorite Sickatriz ESP or whatever is a great yeah. song. It's like 1220. Yeah, my favorite Mars Volta album is Francis the Mute. I I. I fucking love the end. I think D Loust is better, but I like Francis also. And then but, uh, and then don't ask me about another Mars Volta album after that. <laughs> are Amputecture? You don't like Amputecture? <laughs> I don't. I, I can't say I, I can't say I do. I can't but say I, I do or whatever else came. Actually, you know what Mars Volta record is actually good is the one that just came out. It's oh, like really? if it's like if Mars Mars Volta did like easy listening music it's it rocks oh, it's I'm really good that out then I love what's it called the graveyard or something the golden graveyard or some shit it's really good i like it a lot it's not like i'm not i'm not reaching for it every minute and being like wow what an amazing oh it's just self-titled the mars volta but it's genuinely like it's it's like easy to listen to it just it's it's very good i liked it a lot well I, um, and, and you know the same the thing about it is um it's the same thing happened with Cody and Cambria. They were like, this is all telling a story. So I'm, I'm really into the album and I was really into like caring about shit, you know, like what the songs are about, because I think it takes a long time to beat that out of you when, when, because you have to actually learn that they're mostly not about anything. <laughs> totally. Totally. And like, of course I not. Re- of course not. And that, and I love it when bands say that and there's a few things in the articles that we'll get to where David Draymond's like, you know, I really wanted people to, you know, really pay attention to the lyrics on this one. And it's really, uh, you know, uh, this is, this is the, one of the quotes here, all the songs in this record revolve around the theme of belief in oneself and in humanity's potential and the right wing reactions of religious leaders of the world to the events of nine 11 had a lot to do with the original impetus of where this record came from. It angered me beyond any way I could possibly explain the whole albums about questioning your belief to determine what you really can believe in and it's like guy it just it's not really about that man and (laughs) no one cares even if it was about that it's not the only 
like one of the only lyricists I care about is Isaac Brock from Modest Mouse. It's like some of the only lyrics where I'm like, okay, I actually like these lyrics. Matt Berninger from the Nationals, another one as well. But like after that, I don't even think I really, I don't care if the melody sounds good. I'm, I'm like Max Martin. I have the melody sounds good. The words don't need to mean anything. Well, it's funny that the co- the reason I brought Coheed and Cambria was because they, they were like, we're finally going to release a uh, comic to, to tell you the story. And I'm like, fuck yeah, man. I got the comic and it didn't make any fucking sense. And I was just like, <laughs> fuck, these guys never listened to another album at all by them. It's I probably good done. for you. Coheed sucks. Uh, the guy, I, I want to help everybody out here. Uh, the, the relative stats on the guy, uh, he has the maximum amount of hit points, the maximum amount of attack, the maximum amount of defense, one less on magic. So, and then whatever MR is, he's got the maximum amount of that and then two less on special. So basically what I believe is that uh, Disturbed did not want the guy to be weak. <laughs> you know it happened, dude. Come, I mean, when they were like, this is the guy and, and David Draymond was like, well, uh, I uh, would prefer it if he is a little bit stronger than all of the other characters <laughs> in the game as he is the guy that that does things that <laughs> like, oh god a streak of vengeance oh shit on me i'll go back i'll read you the guy's thing okay it's so it's very okay here we go a streak of vengeance painted across the universe many names have been given to the eternal spirit of vengeance but one has stuck in the minds of many on earth in particular simply the guy this spirit of vengeance takes on a host and together they form a symbiotic pairing that brings fury to those in power smash your foes with the power of ten thousand fists dealing multiple hits of devastating damage with the guy's passive the vengeful one he will be incredibly hard to kill and able to dish out punishment on the enemy team in return so it's It's like ten thousand fists when all you need is a foot you know what i mean yeah yeah, it's just, I. I don't know this album. The finding out that the guy is like they're trying to flesh out the guy is so that dumb. is so, that's so important for me to understand. I yes, uh, this this record. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and agree with you. I I actually. So I, I listened to this. I haven't even really talked about my history with this record, but, um, you know, I was never a huge disturbed fan. I think I talked about this last time we covered them. They were a singles band for me. Um, I always like, I liked, uh, the sickness. I liked stupefy off the first record. I liked the shout cover. And then with this record, I can remember prayer. And then I don't remember either of the other two singles. Like if you showed me this track listing and you were like, wit, there were three singles off this record. Which are they? I would have got prayer and the other two I would have been fully guessing because um, they don't even really sound like singles in the same way that sort of prayer does or the sickness did. Uh, you know, the other singles are liberate and remember liberate says motherfucker in it like seven times. It doesn't even feel like a single particularly. Um, notice that liberate was one of the songs that like I wrote. They fixed Oh, the I like gu- liberate. It's a good song, yeah. but they it, fixed it just the bad guitar tone on this album. I will say that. The album sounds good. I mean, it doesn't sound super compressed. It sounds good. I mean, Prayer, I think, is an, is a really, really good song. I think I forgot how much I liked it. Uh, for me, I think it's my favorite Disturbed song. It, it Since since I started listening to this record to prepare for this review, that song's been stuck in my head, like fully, like just I'm walking around the house like, 
Heaven just isn't high enough. Like I'm just that's just running around in my head. Like that chorus is so good when it like kicks out into the soup uh, into the swooping chorus of prayer. Like that's just good songwriting, man. Like it, the, you can see what they were capable of, you know. And I think like liberate is very good as well. I think awaken and believe are both solid. And then I think remember is very good also. And then the rest of the album just sounds like B sides. It is just like, it doesn't, there's very few memorable hooks. All the songs kind of run together. Like even if you were a huge disturbed fan, I just can't imagine how you, you could even tell what they're doing apart. Like it's just crazy to me that a band could write prayer, uh, you know, a song with like such really like good structure and, and like everything disturbed does they do well on that song it's just like it's got good heavy parts it's got good guitar parts it's got a great pre-chorus leading into this soaring chorus and that just like isn't really present on this on the back half of this record like yeah. i'm i i thought uh devour was like an okay song track 11 that was like kind of the only one on the second half of the record that stuck out aside from mistress uh, and mistress only sticks out because um, it's insane. Uh, the uh, lyrics, the lyrics to that out. song are fucking insane. Devour, yeah. Well, well I mean, it's, I'll read you like sort of. I'll I'll hit the the points of of like how I listen to the album, like sure h- how I felt because that, that's kind of the way I took notes. Actually, one of the the big things, and we've talked about this before, is like how many times I have to start the album over because uh i'm not paying attention right is that's a bad thing review wise right yeah. like if if i where have you have to, to be keep... like oh i'm at the beginning what happened yeah yeah i have to or or i'm six songs in and i just noticed i'm not paying attention so and i'll punish myself right. by starting the album over <laughs> from one again so in this case it's not a punishment because you're you're getting the best songs over again <laughs> Uh, liberate i said they fixed the bad guitar tone david is basically rapping on this one sick sick breakdown and then i get to believe among all these songs have a sick breakdown this is much more old school than i affect than i expected and i said the riffs on rise are really good but the vocals are very weird and awful doesn't even sound like the davester i actually <laughs> call him the davester um that was the original name for the guy should have been. <laughs> and then the band is like, oh, we can't we can't name him the Davester. Why I don't see why not El Davo. He could have called him El Davo too. El uh, Davo. Breathe sounds like an attempt at another single. Totally boring song. The beginning of this album is so calm, so good. This song has the sound of the sickness, dull riffs that do not rip. And that's where I started to get that. Because remember when we when we reviewed the sickness, we were like, like none of it sounds heavy at all. Yeah, it sounded like, very compressed. Yeah, and the top half of this album, it does sound heavy, very. But then he starts deciding, I'm going to like do these soaring vocals and shit. And I guess there's people that are into that and like it. I mean, their biggest hit is that, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it definitely felt like, um, I agree, like the back half of the record at times felt like, oh, we're going to recreate what made the sickness good. Cause it's, it's funny. Like you read the articles and it's clear that they sort of thought like we're a more mature band now, which I kind of agree with. Like the first record has some, st- I mean, obviously drop in plates is fucked, 
it's like David Draymond singing in a Jamaican patois and uh, describes like dropping plates means like putting records on a record player. Nobody's ever called it dropping plates, uh, you know, and then it's got, yeah, of course, the thing you played a little something for your ear. Like there's oh. a bit of goofiness. Uh, there's a bit of goofiness on the first record, like and even just the like ooh ah, 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 part, you know, like there's a little bit of sort of playful kind of goofiness. Um, and then I think what happened, and this is fair enough, I guess, and it kind of makes sense, is then they get really popular, right? They sell 5 million copies of The Sickness and everybody's happy. And then David Draymond starts really drinking his own Kool-Aid. And then it's just, he's like, okay, well, we got, this has got to be a mature album. There's no covers on this record. You know, they covered Shout on the first one. There's no cover here. There's no kind of, there's none of that sort of playful, oh, we're just going to do a stupid, silly little song. Like it definitely feels like they thought, okay, we've got to get more serious now. We're a serious metal band. We've got a lot of fans. We're getting serious. And it just, it just, yeah, they don't get there. Like it feels like they are trying to do what they thought made them successful on the sickness on the on the back half of the record and i'm just i'm just surprised i'm just a little annoyed because i do think prayer is a more mature song and i'm a little annoyed they didn't try to pursue that direction a little bit more i think i think they were kind of on to something with prayer and liberate and they just the rest of the record is just too samey it's too yeah. it's too samey well that was another thing that in my notes is like i get i get to uh I get to bound and I'm just like this album gets harder and harder to pay attention to more repetitive by the time you're at this point in the album you've already heard all you're going to get it feels like the band is grasping for another radio hit instead of just doing what they did earlier in the album the riffs early in the album were more of a regular metal thing and it was so heavy and fun and like to get to to to, to work your way through an album like when you like a song when you like the first few songs on an album it's almost impossible for you not to like the rest of the album in a way in, in my opinion especially in this period of of music like you know you listen to the first three or four songs and you're like wow this is fucking good this is really good they're starting with an advantage at that point and they piss it away on this album completely where you're just like it's it's pre uh sounds i i really think that the sounds of silence is like the the ultimate uh expression of what david draymond wants this band to be right away like i think that like once once you have the few heavy hits and people do this all the fucking time too like artists do this all the time once you have like this is one of the biggest bands in the history of metal one of the biggest bands in the world and like by 2002, they were already one of the biggest bands out there. But, like, just played on the radio. Fucking, I was constant with these guys. And, like, uh, I think at that point, they're like, well, you know, what I'd really like to be doing. Because they always convince themselves that there's, like, a, this is what I'd really like to be doing is this. And then they do it. And it's like, nobody wants that. Nobody in the world wants like what you want. They want what they want. And if you're going to make what you want, that's fine. Like it's worked out really well for the, for disturbed, but it doesn't, it, it makes it very hard for me. 
too. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> well, I think for me too, when I was listening to this, cause I, I know when, you know, when we had sort of talked about doing this record and everything, um, you know, it had been on a poll a couple times and you and I had sort of brought it up and people tweeted us and stuff after it won the poll. And a lot of people were saying, you know, Oh, this record really stinks and, you know, buckle up kind of thing. Like this is going to be really bad and you know, whatever. And, um, I thought like I turned it on and I kind of had a same thing as you. Like, I don't think I've ever listened to this record front to back. I've definitely heard prayer and liberate quite a few times, but I I've never listened to this record front to back. And I thought the same thing. I was like, this is starting pretty good. Like, I don't think this is going to be a bad record. I specifically thought about like second records, right? Like a lot of bands, you know, it's the classic music cliche. You have a lifetime to make a debut album and then you have a year to make a second album or whatever. And pardon me. It definitely feels like you started out and you're like, geez, this, there's no sophomore slump here at all. Like this is a, it sounds like a disturbed record, but it does sound like there's some logical progression. Sounds like they've added some stuff to their sound. Like you said, it sounds heavier. It sounds better. I love where this is at. And then you get to the second half of the record and then you think, Oh no, this is a sophomore slump. Like this is, they just, they couldn't get themselves out of the, the, they couldn't get themselves out of just kind of writing another version of the sickness on the back half. I think. Yeah. I mean, I really think that their goal was like a softer, like this band is, definitely like one of those i don't know like like when you said drinking his own kool-aid i mean that's it and like he he he's he's not even humbled still you know what i mean definitely he's still not. like the same fucking guy as this time but he thinks he's humbled now like, yes humbled, we're gonna get to that in the articles it's bad yeah. <laughs> but he's just such a dude that like he's just I don't think that like he 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 knows what's what's good for him. I know that he had I mean obviously he does, but maybe at that time he just didn't know you know what I mean? Like he 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 thought he knew what people want. Well, I I don't think he cared. Like it's funny we brought up the Mars Volta in this because like <laughs> I don't think he cares what people want. I think he wants to make what he wants to make. And uh, he's very happy if it ends up working out for him, you know, and uh, uh, it has worked out for him. I can't I can't criticize him too much because it did work out. It's just he's doing the exact opposite of anything I would want to listen to. And honestly, I think he's doing the op. I think a lot of this is like even people that like uh, people that like uh, Disturbed. I mean, I don't know. I didn't look at like reviews of the album. But it seems like I can't imagine that even people that like the sickness like this album because it's so fucking generic. It is yeah, crazy how generic it is. It's got 62 out of 100 on Metacritic. Um, so it's not like terrible, but it's. Yeah, exactly. But it's not uh, it's not great. But uh, yeah, Greg caught from Rolling Stone called the record a skillful, if calculated variation yeah. on the melodrama meets mayhem formula that has been driving the most commercially successful new metal in recent years. Um, 
Ben Mitchell of Blender gave credit to the band for doing away any idiosyncratic vocal work and rap metal flourishes <laughs> from their debut effort for more political topics and highlighted both Donegan's guitar line as well as Draymond's melodic uh, delivery saying that musically believe is as solid as this kind of generic support slot on Ozfest stuff gets and thank Christ at least there's no DJ overwhelmingly though disturbed have yet to come to terms with just how average they really are seldom unlistenable never inspirational but consistently merely okay yeah and I think that's, that's a good that's way of perfect. putting it yeah. I mean, I and don't it, it, agree. I want David Draymond to be doing more ooh-ahs, and I do want there to be uh, more rapping. Uh, but I agree with that sort of sentence. It's like, especially, yeah, when you think of it through the lens of David Draymond, and obviously this just comes from him being like a complete egomaniac and narcissist, mm-hmm. but like there's definitely a part of him you can tell comes across like he believes they have like changed the face of metal or, you know, like he believes yeah. they are like a revolutionary act and it's like, no, you're doing this stuff. Good. Like it's good. You know, lots of people think it's great. Uh, lots of people don't like it, but it's good. It's good. It's fine. It's okay. And he's a good singer also. Like it has to be said, he's a good metal singer. There, there's nothing wrong with David Draymond as, as far as being a vocalist, but it just, yeah, there there's nothing about this that's like revolutionary in any way. It's just like, oh, you guys are doing a very solid version of the thing you're doing. But yeah, I think not remark unremarkable is like a great way of putting it. They got a few songs that are great, that are very remarkable, very good metal slash new metal songs. But so much of what they do is just like a fastball right down the pipe. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, there's no risks. And it well. There's one risk and it does not pay off on this album. But the rest, like that, well, I guess we we talk about this now is that song, the last song on this album. Darkness. So bad that my notes for this song were, um, where is it? Ah, no way. This sucks. One of the funnier songs I've heard doing this show. I think this <laughs> might, if we had to make the top 20 funny songs, which we should maybe do that sometimes. We should, is, yeah. Maybe one of the funniest songs we've it's so funny. It and, and which is funny because Dropping Plates was one of the funniest songs. Yep. And then I heard this and I'm like, this goes in the dropping plates section. But and see, I like to me, dropping plates, they knew it was funny. Like I don't think they were doing dropping plates seriously. I no, think yeah. I think that's darkness is the worst kind of funny you can be where they are taking it <laughs> deathly serious. And it's funny as shit. It's so funny. It's it, it, I'm serious. I, I, the second he started singing this, I Dude. fucking lost it, man. Because it doesn't. Like, it genuinely doesn't even sound like him. No, it doesn't no, even sure. sound like him. It's bizarre, and it it makes the the quote uh, from Metal Hammer about him saying, you know, I'll kill anyone who says this is a ballad, like. He knew deep down, like, yeah, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to do something here. We're trying to get on adult radio. We're trying to, you know, other bands are doing ballads. So we're going to try our hand. Like, it's clear that he had a chip on his shoulder about it already. Like he knew, he knew what they were doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he just thought he was, yeah. I think he thought, well, they'll take the ride with me. I mean, I did find in the articles that he is 
like in a way kind of humble, but I don't know. I I'll explain this in wrestling terms. Um, in in the two thousands, Triple H just beat everybody constantly. That was yeah. like his whole fucking thing. It, he never lost. He beat everybody, and then right around two thousand sixteen, he started losing to people, and uh, in the age now that. Now that everybody is like admitting that it's fake and shit like that, losing is the thing that makes you look good as compared to back then when they were still trying for it not to be fake. Winning is what made you feel good. And he's figured out how to lose and then get the same kind of props he did when he won just because he's so generous. And reading the articles of David Draymond reminded me of triple h in that way where he's like oh i was a dumb idiot i you know i uh uh oh yeah this like all of his things that has humble stuff it's like i don't believe this shit at all i don't i don't at all believe that he's a humble guy like if i'm thinking about people that we cover on this show fuck dude if i'm thinking about any of the people i cover in my my career he is uh he's he is like the one of the least humble guys. Like that, 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 like that word would be so far away from my mouth if if somebody asked me. You know, there's no way you meet him right now and you're like, gosh, what a down to earth guy. There's yeah. no way. There's no way anybody has that interaction with him. No chance. Yeah. I mean, we can still tell he fucking blocked the POD cast account. He he had to leave Twitter because he couldn't handle people chirping him all the time. And then he came back to Twitter. And one of the first things he did was block the POD cast, which means that he either <laughs> name searched and saw that we were making fun of him on the POD cast Twitter account, or he listened to the POD cast and was like, I've had enough. I don't want like these guys. Fuck these guys. Which is crazy to me. Like, yeah. I, man, it's so funny. I want to just read, before we get into the articles, I want to read the the Wikipedia for prayer uh, because the music video for prayer is extremely funny to me. Um, so it was... Uh, <laughs> The song was inspired by the death of vocalist David Draymond's grandfather, as well as various circumstances after the September 11th attacks and is about a conversation between Draymond and God. Upon release, many media converse, or sorry, many media outlets refused to air the prayer music video, citing supposed similarities between the imagery of the music video and that of the September 11th attacks. Now, when we get down to the music video section on the Wikipedia, this is long, but I do want to read it all because every sentence is fucking gold. Vocalist David Draymond wrote the treatment for the music video and explained that the music video is based on the story of Job from the Bible. Throughout the music video, Draymond is walking down a street and passes various scenes of desperation, such as a prostitute, a homeless man, and a preacher predicting the end of the world. As Draymond continues to walk, the other members of Disturbed have various disasters befall them and are presumably killed. Steve K. Mack is uh, buried under falling debris, Dan Donegan crashes his car, and Mike Wengren is hit by a nearby construction explosion. At the climax of the music video, Draymond survives an earthquake and the remaining band members eventually come back to life and congregate with Draymond to play the last chorus. Draymond explains it's like Job being put through the trials and tribulations and still coming through unscathed and achieving his redemption. Okay, so that entire thing is very funny. 
He's saying like the music video, all my band members die and then I save them. And I'm ah, like, yes. Joe, I'm persecuted. I'm like, Job, I'm persecuted, but I come through at the end and I'm, I'm unscathed. I'm perfect. And then upon release, various media outlets refused to air the video, citing alleged similarities to September 11th. Disturbed originally made plans to edit the video for airplay, but eventually chose not to. Draymond explained this choice when he said, if we agreed to edit the video, then it's assuming that we're agreeing with the decision that there's something about the video that is offensive enough or provocative enough that it's dangerous for them to play it. We don't agree with that. Draymond further criticized the decision to take the video off the air instead of other videos. We don't have a character in our video who, who portrays Osama bin Laden and jumps and dances around, which is a direct recollective factor to 9-11. <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. he goes on to talk about like the rest of the video. Um, and yeah, that part of it doesn't really matter, but extremely funny to me that he's just like, I'm not, we're not going to edit it because yeah incredibly weird uh, he's such a weird dude he's like really fascinating i wish i was his therapist to tell oh. you the truth. i oh. want to hear what goes on in his head john so bad me too me too i it's truly we, wild if we're getting on to the articles yeah let's get on let's get on let to me, the articles should we do let me say let, something really funny please the, the part that the knac article Okay, yeah, this is, we love KNAC. This is uh, called Sick and Twisted, The Disturbed Interview, and this is from February 4th, 2002. Most of today's new metal, or so they are dubbed, relies on fast, loud, and repetitive sounds to make their point. You can't distinguish one band from another, all sounding angry because mommy didn't give them a cell phone on time. This is where Disturbed takes over. <laughs> they yeah, just they, fucking describe Disturbed. <laughs> Exactly. I feel like Kanak had another really funny opening. Uh, one of the other bands we covered, I can't remember which one, but they had a very funny one. Um, this, I mean, this one was really, uh, this one's got some really great quotes. Uh, I particular, this is David Draymond at his absolute finest. From there, they took a breather before returning to their second year on Ozfest. This year, they will headline the second stage, which accommodates 15,000 screaming fans. Disturbed passed on the offer to play the main stage. Quote, this is a full contact sport. This is not something you sit by on the sidelines and watch. You have to be involved in it. We don't want to play to people in seats. It's just that simple. I mean, the whole vibe of the second stage is, in our opinion, a hundred times cooler. Granted that with the main stage, you have the benefit of the, pavi the pavilion's enclosure and the production, and there's the sonic element. It does sound better at times, but at the end of the day, you don't have the sea of people moving as one to the beat of the song. And I just, so, God, I love that. I mean, I agree with them, to tell you the truth. I mean, back when I went to OzFest, I spent almost all day at the second stage and was always bummed if a band that I like was on the... Uh, main stage which was all the fucking sure time, you know but like I'm mister <laughs> why wouldn't you just say oh we've played second stages and main stages in the past and we just like the second stage better like why yeah. why does it need to be like this is a contact sport this is not for <laughs> fucking pussies we don't want little fucking bitches sitting in their little fucking stupid chairs be Shade. remember remember on mol or was it the fear factory one i think it was on on mol when david draymond got mad because the guy was sitting in the front row of the show and told him to go yeah, to I the back shit like i hate that shit <laughs> dude so funny man what uh, so are you yeah doing? 
I just love that. So good. Yeah. I liked um I, I thought this was funny, and this is gonna be me being really unfair. Their unification of musical backgrounds range from Sex Pistols, Pantera to Black Sabbath. They're roughly the same thing. It's not like a wide like it's not like a wide <laughs> yeah. range of bands. I mean, the Sex Pistols are definitely different from like everything is is influenced by those three things. <laughs> so yeah, it's I not like, like uh, invoking Celine Dion and Metallica. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's not David, dis, it's not disparate influences. And this was just fucking this odd, is Kanak. Unbelievable. David, his opinion on my discovery of many bands using penis pumps on the road. He's had some very specific thoughts on the subject. There's no justification for a penis pump, explains David. It's not always good to be long. If you have 12 inches, it's going. It's not going to fit in all the way. Girth is what's important. I get no complaints on that. Bless the man with a wide load. Yeah, he's a big chode guy. He's a huge chode. No question he's a big chode guy. Yeah, what chode. a strange question to ask. I've I've heard a lot of bands are using penis pumps on the road. <laughs> he has a tuna can. David has a tuna can. Confirmed by Kanak. David yeah. has a tuna can. Um <laughs> We also have a, uh, we've got a, a video we're going to play, a little audio clip. We don't normally do audio interviews on the show, but this is, we played this. If you're a member of our Patreon, you would have heard this already. Uh, we covered uh, MOL with our friends from Blink-155, Josiah and Sam, uh, but it's Disturbed's uh, sort of uh, making of and touring the sickness. And this is David Draymond. And uh, Brian, do you want to set the scene as to what David Draymond is doing while he's about to say, uh, and this say is what he's about to say? This is something like there are a few videos on YouTube of this, but uh, in this video, he's laying on a bed, holding onto a pillow, and like really snuggled up. You know, he's he's, he's really snuggled up. up to this, and right in the face of the camera. So imagine the cameraman is like sitting on the ground at the foot of the bed. And David Draymond is laying, uh, like laying reverse in the bed with his head down at the foot of the bed, hugging a pillow. And you just basically see his giant bald head right in the camera. Uh, And this is him talking about the process of songwriting. And I will say right off the bat, they're going to talk to the drummer first for one second. I cut that out. Oh, you have it on your soundboard? Oh, I, I yeah, got I made Dan soundboard. I made Dan oh, rip go ahead it. And play it then. Yeah, I was gonna play it. I cut that out. Actually. Oh, that's so funny. Well, yeah, because they asked the drummer about the lyrics and he's like, talk to David. And then it's like, why would you even include the DVD? But it's, it's weird. Great. Go ahead, Dan. Talking about the songs and, and its content and lyrics is, is best get gotten from David. I'm just the idiot in the back who plays the drums. I don't intend to keep the lyrical content in mystery. I I write cryptically. It's just the way that I like to present my ideas lyrically. For the most part, I think that you should have to work for something. I think it was Chad from Mudvayne, he said it really well. There are too many fucking lazy people in this world. Not everything should be handed to you. Some things you need to work for and appreciate. It's cool to have something that comes off powerful enough live to get people moving and banging their heads and, and moshing and that, but it's a nicer feeling to know that they're paying attention to what's being said in the songs. The, the lyrics all are from life experience. They're based on perception and by actual experiences of my own. Um, 
very personal, very internal. Yeah, I mean, he's so, uh, uh, was, you know, uh, very internal feelings. And I think uh, listening to music should be a job that you uh, <laughs> don't get paid for. Like, it just is so funny coming from a guy whose lyrics are all very straightforward. Yeah. It is You can listen to every Disturbed song and know exactly what he's talking about. So the idea of the, like, I write very cryptically and, um, you know, it's not intended for everybody to understand. But then the songs are just like, get away from me. Stay away from me. It's like, okay, I think the song is about you want people to stay away from you. There's, all of his songs are about like he's praying to something, he's mad about something, or he's mad at women. And that's basically, yeah. the, those are your sort of three David Draymond default settings, really. Including his mom. He also <laughs> yes, true. his mom, too. I'm a bad little boy. I uh, think you should uh, have to sit down with a notebook and kind of write down your thoughts while you're listening to the album. And then when it's over, mail it to me and I'll tell you if you came close. <laughs> Chad, Chad from Chad from Mudvayne said it best, I think. <laughs> uh, this next article is very funny. Uh, this is from MTV uh, from September 25th, 2002, written by John Wiederhorn. And the uh, the title of the article is Disturbed Naked on a Platter. And uh, speaking of women, this is like, this is just classic Draymond. I remember when we did the articles for the first uh, Disturbed record too, he was also talking about how he fucks all the time, but he's not. He's the original Drake. He talks about how he fucks all the time, but he's not happy about it. Uh, but while Draymond enjoys the lustful, per it says over so the article starts right away. This is the start of the article over the past couple of years. Disturbed frontman David Draymond has become quite the ladies man. As much as he loves the thrill of performing on stage, he looks forward to the end of the show when he can hand pick from amongst the gals. He's won over during the evening for what can only be called after hours entertainment. But while Draymond enjoys the lustful perks of stardom, there's a very real part of him that just wants to find the right woman and fall madly in love. Quote, I'm haunted by the position I find myself in. My whole life I wanted to get to the point I've reached, and now that I'm here, I'm very, very lonely. He thumbed his chin and absentmindedly tugged at one of the two metal tusks protruding from below his lower lip. For a moment, he almost looks vulnerable. Quote, it's difficult to find a girl who is willing to deal with who I am and what I've become and what I have to do in my life on any real level. It leaves me unsure of anything, and I don't know what that sentence means. Draymond says that while he's willing to set aside his womanizing ways, preconceptions about rock stars and relationships are difficult to overcome. Quote, if I was tried and true and committed to one individual, everybody would be convinced that the exact opposite was true, and that makes people very, very defensive. I've had my heart torn apart so many times that there's just not much left to it. <laughs> Come on, dude. Be normal, David. Dude. Every woman I just... date, every woman I date doesn't believe me. They don't believe me that I'm a good guy that's not going to cheat on them. So unfortunately, I just have to fuck this pile of women. I don't <laughs> even like... need a, a penis pump to, to do <laughs> all of that stuff. So I'm a wide load. I think you should have to work hard to uh, fuck me. too. <laughs> I hate the way, I, I just the way, uh, 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 he reminds me of a guy who like, he's, we said this before. He's 
pensive. He's like a pensive guy. <laughs> That's how he other... would describe himself. Like if you asked him how, to just how he describes himself, he would say pensive. Yeah. The only other piece I had from any of the articles was that fight between Finch and Disturbed, <laughs> which sounds yeah. like the two biggest, the biggest two pussies a bunch of pussies oh finch is <laughs> i saw finch live i used to like finch well i still do i like their first record but their guitarist is a friggin weirdo when i saw them live the one they're talking about that him getting in a fight with when i saw them live he had shaved half his face so he had, he had and he had like a long scraggly beard but half of half of his face was shaved completely so he had a bare face and the other half of his face was like a scraggly beard. And he kept saying like his banter was super weird and he kept encouraging people in the crowd to fight and stuff. It was really weird. <laughs> that, that's kind of cool. I, it, encouraging no, people to it, fight. No, in the it's not. No, it's cool. not cool. It's no, it's oh, not thought, cool in, in the way cool. you would think. No, no, oh, it's okay. okay. Well, they just seemed like a bunch of fucking like just reading about it. It's like. One guy said in an interview that, and being David, David is a guy that has talked about saying stuff when, when he was younger. And it's just like, this is the time when he was younger. And again, David wasn't involved in this fight either. He had his dog and yeah. his kid with him. So that is, uh, uh, but it was just, it seemed like the guitarists of the band got into a little scuffle yeah. and, then, uh, and I'm sure it's because because Disturbed is the bigger band, they made Finch leave the venue after they were done. And but they frame it in the article like it w- they were worried that Disturbed was going to kick the shit out of them. I was like, "Come, Disturbed and Seven Dust, we're going to kick the shit out of them." It was so weird, man. So weird. Apparently, the guy from Finch said uh, that. The Bad Blood, this article is from August 2nd, 2004. Disturbed Finch brawl on stage at Rolling Rock Festival. Beef stems from threats made during an interview two years ago. And then it said, uh, the bad blood between the bands stems from a 2002 interview in which Strohmeyer, that's the Finch guitarist, made disparaging comments about Disturbed and threatened Draymond's life. I'd shoot him in the fucking head, he told Mean Street Magazine. I'd rip his stupid little piercings out. They're just cheesy. It bums me out because their music is terrible and what they're all about, it's just shit. Hopefully all that music will die out soon. And it's like, okay, you probably shouldn't say like, you know, that you want to kill someone or whatever. But at the same time, if you're disturbed, you wait two years until you're on a festival bill together and you don't go talk to the guy or anything. You wait until he's on stage and then you try to start a fight. That's just like the fakest shit ever to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It, it was just, it was a wrestling match. Basically it was just, uh, everybody wanted to look tough and like, it's also weird that like, why I guess people would send him the article, which I hate when people do that. But, uh, uh, I, I assume that, that they sent him the article and that's what made him mad. Cause it's like, don't, why are you reading about Finch's opinions on you? Like it doesn't <laughs> yeah. even fucking matter, you know? And he says, Donegan says he only approached Strohmeyer to ask why he made the threats. I can take anybody saying they don't like the band, but the second that the guy makes a statement that he wants to put a bullet in someone's head, I take it seriously. Okay. 
This is the thing that the guitarist of Finch said in Mean Street Magazine. You think that that means anything? You think he was actually threat? That was a credible threat? It's like, come on. And then yeah. he says, uh, if they weren't serious, then why haven't they made any attempts in the past year and a half to clear the air or say, hey, guys, it was all in good fun or it was a joke done in bad taste? Because they don't know you. Why do they yeah. owe you an explanation for this? <laughs> you that stupid ass. Um, I had a couple more things from the MTV article. Uh, I just loved this uh, nar- uh, this uh, narration from John Wiederhorn. After talking to David Draymond for a few minutes, it's easy to forget disturbed are a band. <laughs> <laughs> As the group's captivating mouthpiece, Draymond speaks with authority, confidence, and zeal while his bandmates generally sit quietly. And I wonder if they're actually quiet guys or if they're just like, whatever, man. David's just going to say whatever, and we just got to be like, yeah, okay, whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's you got to get used to it because he's going to say a bunch of He's going to say stuff. a bunch I mean, of stupid shit anyway. They're fucking sitting on the bus with him. Well, maybe yeah. not anymore. They probably have separate buses now, but they they spent years sitting on a bus with them. So they Brutal. fucking know. They know. And then this is the final quote here from the MTV one. We genuinely believe that this is the greatest work we have ever done in our lives. So on that level, we're very excited, but we're also terrified because what if we're wrong? Draymond posited. What if everything we're basing our perception of reality on is not what we think it is? That's very, very humbling and frightening because we have our souls exposed to the general public on a platter. I'm giving you every single emotion that I thought was strong enough and difficult enough for me to contain that I had no other choice but to validate myself in the form of music i'm letting you see me naked do you like it god don't say naked david i don't even want to hear that do you like it brian do you like do you like it when i'm do you like it when i'm naked yeah do you like it when i put my old tuna can in your puss puss (laughs) what if we're wrong vagina and we think this is the best album we've ever done but what if we're wrong what if we got it wrong Unbelievable. Um, and then the last one, uh, just this last piece here, because this was another very funny quote, just because to talk, to sort of put a button on you saying how they haven't really gotten any better. Our Draymond hasn't gotten any better. We always say they, but we know who we're talking about. So this is from Metal Hammer from November 21st, 2018. And the headline is disturbed how David Draymond had the last laugh on everybody. Um, and, uh, yeah, he just kind of talks about, he's like, oh, I can't believe some of the things that I used to say, blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, yeah, it's just like, he's just such a, an idiot. Uh, he's talking about the guy here first, which is great. He says, uh, a twinkle in his eye, he flashes the mischievous smile of Disturbed's mascot, the guy. I was great with it before because there's something to be said about being the black sheep, the rebellious entity within the family, or the one that strayed off the path. I kind of enjoy being that guy. <laughs> um, and then he says, the exposure prompted him to leave Twitter three years ago. Why are people still hating on him today? Who knows? He says, I truly don't understand it. I think people develop a perception of you. I'm the first guy to admit that in my younger days, instead of speaking softly and carrying a big stick, I ended up doing the opposite of that, which sometimes comes from excitement or youth or sometimes confidence can become arrogance and certainly be perceived as that. And people have no idea how much self doubt there is involved with it and how much questioning you do. 
Yeah. I like, yeah, that one was that, that article he's, he's grown up. I mean, he's still a moron, but like, uh, it, it was a little bit different, I guess. Uh, uh, that article, he seemed like I said earlier, he seemed like he, he had learned some lessons. I mean, he hasn't, you know, go look at his fucking Twitter. He hasn't learned anything. He's the same exact fucking guy. It's just never good when you have to, uh, like it's never good when you have to define arrogance in an interview. Like I always, anytime you're talking about like, Oh, people say I'm arrogant. People say I'm cocky, but they, anytime you got to define that or speak on that, it's not great for you. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's get to our tweet defense. If this is your first time listening to the show, this is how we review the album. Uh, it is basically the premise is if someone were to tweet at us and say that believe sucks, how many tweets we would do in defense of the album. Uh, Brian, you're up first. What is the uh, tweet defense score that you gave this record? Like a seven, I think. Like, I, I think there are songs that I very much liked on it, but it is just like a mediocre. And seven sounds bad, but you don't understand that every month I have a different scale, Seven sounds so. good. Seven sounds good, but it's not good. Seven is very yeah. low for you. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. If I had to, because of my fucking up of the scale... I would say it is less than one infinity, like maybe like <laughs> half of an infinity is what it is, because it's just not it's not like fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I don't know. I know it sounds crazy, but uh, it is a boring album is what I'll say. Yeah, this is a two for me. I think I would defend prayer uh, pretty heavily. I, I think it's Disturbed's best song. Um, and I think it's just a great song for new metal in general. Um, but then, yeah, the second half of the record uh, really falls off. And there's a few other good songs, but yeah, two, maybe three. I'm somewhere in there. Two and we can't, you can't do a half tweet really. So like, but two, three, somewhere in there for me um, is, is where I would put it. Um, if you want to listen to more of this show or just support the show, cause you love what we're doing here, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the POD cast. That's cast with a K like the band corn. Uh, it's just $4 a month. Then you get three bonus episodes every single month, one full length bonus, and then two singles. Uh, the last month we did the, uh, drowning pool sinner 13th anniversary album. We, we listened to a bunch of demos that drowning pool had done for sinner brought on our good friend, Kevy lead singer of fake shark, uh, and, and music producer himself to dissect that with us. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so that's up there right now. You can also tell us what to do. So if there's an album you want us to cover a single, you want us to cover, uh, you can actually pay, uh, to make that happen over on our Patreon. So check it out. You also get merch discounts. We have some great merch over at merch.blockedparty.com. We also have uh, a great discord and, um, yeah, lots of, lots of fun stuff. We post the articles too. So if you're always like, Oh, where do they find all these articles? Uh, in a couple days after this, uh, episode comes out, I will post all the articles on Patreon as well. You also get a monthly listening list. Uh, so you know what we're doing a month in advance and you can listen to the albums to prepare for this show. Lots of fun stuff. So yeah, check it out at patreon.com slash the POD cast. Okay. Brian last month, we're here at the challenge by the way. And, uh, the challenge is every month we give ourselves, uh, just a little something to do based on the, uh, based on the record that we were listening to last month, we covered seven dust and, uh, on the seven dust record, they famously uh, referred to 
Chino, Chino Moreno made a guest spot uh, on the song Bender, a guest appearance, and they famously in the liner notes called him Pony One. And so you and I were supposed to come up with our own names that we would want to use if we were to fill in on a Seven Dust song. You came up with Terry Deathman, and I was Joker Five. And uh, Brian, you took it down. You won that challenge. <laughs> so congratulations to you on that. Uh, so you have 20 wins. I have 21, and we have two ties. So uh, and how close it is. It's so close. Yeah, I think we're just, uh, you know, we, we, we rotate every month uh, doing good stuff. And so this is going to be... Uh, sort of based a little bit on the Disturbed Prayer video. They were, you know, David Draymond wrote his own treatment for the video. Couldn't get played on MTV. We are going to come up with our own brief music video concept uh, that we believe would not be approved by MTV. So, Brian, what do you have? So, I did decide I was going to take Disturbed's 9-11 idea. So, it would be... Yep about 9-11 and what it would be is like i'm flying flying in an airplane singing my song you know yeah and then right at the end of the video i turn and i look at the camera and i give a thumbs up and then run into the world trade center <laughs> so you're just doing 9-11 in your video yeah i'm doing 9-11 and and maybe uh at the end of the video i have like a disclaimer that said i actually wish i would have done 9-11 <laughs> Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go the other way that you can kind of go with this, I think, cause a lot of these new metal guys were super horny. Um, okay. so I'm going to do a video, uh, but I'm, I'm in the video. I'm fucking my wife, not my real life wife, Becca, but in this world where I am a new metal rock star, I'm kind of like in the John Davis sort of uh, realm where I, you know, maybe I'm married to a porn star or like some kind of freak. And uh, the video is literally like hardcore sex. Uh, I'm just like having hardcore sex with my with my wife. And so it's like, uh, obviously, you can't show hardcore sex on MTV. But then it also sparks all this controversy. Like, they, what the fuck? They just had sex in a music video. It's kind of like a little viral thing. People will be trying to find the uncensored version of it. Um, you know, I think it'd be a lot of fun. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, ma- I'm basically making a porno for my for my music video oh yeah i, I thought you were gonna say i'm standing on a clitoris and as it fucking comes <laughs> out it's your wife that's what you thought i was gonna say i thought, you you thought gonna i was gonna say i'm standing a on a clitoris yeah okay. your whole band standing on a clitoris that's a good idea actually that's my whole band is standing on my wife's clitoris and then it zooms back to me having sex with her that's uh, one of the yeah. parts of the puss right <laughs> Yes, Brian. Wait till you hear my albums that I'm about to put. Oh, I can't. I can't wait. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So we. This is the poll. uh, And hopefully there still is the ability to run polls on Twitter. Uh, By the time this rolls around, Elon is uh, threatening to basically get rid of polls. If that happens, we'll let you know. Follow us on Twitter. You can do polls on Patreon. We might move them over there. I mean, we can. We'll figure it out. We can we'll have them add us and then count them. I'll, I'd count them. It's not a big deal with me. Uh, we're definitely not counting. That is that okay. absolutely not like happening. So no, you Patreon, don't want to. You don't want to do that. We'll we'll do it on Patreon because you can make posts on Patreon public and so I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll let you know. Uh, but anyway, uh, every month Brian and I nominate two albums each in the poll, and then you, the listener, get to decide what we listen to next month. So there'll be four albums total, whichever one wins the poll. 
is the one that gets uh, that gets covered. And so as of right now, that's on our Twitter. So head on over to twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast. Uh, that's the only place the polls go up as of right now. So make sure you're following us on Twitter so you don't miss it. And Brian, you're in a mood. What are the two? What, what's your mood? What are the two albums you're putting up? <clears throat> the first album that I'm going to put up is POD, The Fundamental Elements of Southtown. Love that. That's one. The second one I'm going to put up is Brian Head Welch's album, solo album, Save Me From Myself. We're not listening to that. There's no way that's going to win. I know it's not going to win, but I wanted two Christian bands. I wanted to be insane. <laughs> I love that. Okay. I like that. No, I mean, that's definitely the Brian Welch album I can only assume is insane. Um, that feels like one that someone vote. will. I don't think people will vote for it necessarily, but it does feel like one people will pay us to listen to. Like yeah. someone will be like, oh, right. We paid you to listen to both of the fieldy records. Uh, maybe it's time we pay you to listen to the solo Brian Welch record. Um, my two poll nominees also have a theme this month, and it is sort of like bands that are probably not new metal, but some people might argue they are new metal. So I'm going uh, at the drive in relationship of command. Uh, it was produced by Ross Robinson released on Roadrunner Records, sort of, maybe, maybe it's a new metal record. Who knows? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm an At The Drive-In fan. I don't, I wouldn't say it's a new metal album, but some people do. And some people have asked us to cover it on the show slash put it up. Sorry, it came out on Fearless Records. My apologies. Uh, Some of us, some people have said they want us to cover it. So we'll see if it wins a poll, we'll cover it. And then the other one has been on a poll before, but has not won. Rage Against the Machine, Evil Empire. Uh, so right. those are the those are the two that are going up. Maybe yeah, not new metal, not winning, but, sure. but maybe new metal. We'll see. Uh, so, yeah, again, follow us on Twitter dot com slash the POD underscore cast. And you can vote on which of those four albums you want us to cover next month. You can also support the show at Patreon dot com slash the POD cast. Thank you for listening. We love you. We appreciate you. We'll see you back here next month. Goodbye. Oh, mama mia. <laughs>